0: prayers. If you missed any of them, they are available on the Fam Church app, as well as on our iTunes, and uh, our podcast there, and so you can go uh, check those out there. Um, but uh, to start off this morning's message, I want to ask you guys a question: How many of you have ever had to get directions to go someplace? Do we have most of the room is in that position? Right, Most of us have had to uh, get directions at some point in time in our life, right? And uh, how do we generally do that? Computer, GPS, our phone, right? Well, how many of you have taken out your phone, gone to your map, put in an address, it's given you directions, and when you showed up at the place that it said you had arrived at your destination, you looked around and you said, this does not look like my destination. Anyone been there? Anyone had that happen to them? Yeah, you know, a couple of, I think it was about five years ago, Apple had this brilliant idea, and Apple thinks all of their ideas are brilliant, and so Apple had this brilliant idea of they were going to change the map app. They decided that they could make a better map app than anybody on the planet, and so they, just, they said, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna make this map app, we're gonna put it in an update, we're gonna give it to everybody who has an iPhone, and we're gonna delete every other map app that you used. And my whole life, I had been using, well, it's not like the the, uh, GPS on the phones has been around for a long time, but um, I'd been using the Google app on my iPhone. And so one morning, after an update overnight, I woke up and my map app was gone, my Google map app, and instead the iPhone map app was installed on there. And so me thinking, okay, maybe Apple knows what they're talking about, started using this app. Now, if anybody used that app after it first came out, all it did was get you lost. That was the only thing that app was good for, was taking you where you didn't want to go. I mean, I literally, in a week, it got me lost like four or five times, and it finally came to a head. We were going to a Sweet 16 party, and uh, we had, we'd been to the neighborhood it was in like one time, so we didn't know the neighborhood. And, and so I'm like, okay, let's put this in the app. Let's see if it'll get us there. And so, so I put in the address of the app, and we start following this thing to our destination, to the Sweet 16 party. And we're driving along, and I, uh, it tells me, uh, in about 1,000 feet, we're gonna be at our destination. And so the 1,000 feet comes, and I stop, And I am on a road that's a dead-end road in a cow pasture with not a single house around. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. And I don't understand how it completely missed the subdivision because it was a good-sized subdivision. It has like 3,000 people who live in it. And so it didn't even get me into the subdivision, okay? I was outside of the subdivision. And so we actually had to go on our phone, open up our web browser, go to Google Maps on our web browser, and use it to find our location. And I think, though, all of us can relate to that. All of us have had some sort of experience like that before. And I think for some of us in our life, in our walk with Jesus, we've had the same sorts of things happen. We're going along in our life. We're thinking everything's going smooth, we think everything's going good, and uh, we look up to see if we arrived at the destination that we thought we were going to get to, but then we take a sniff of the air around, we look around at the sights that are around us, we start to feel and touch and see everything that's there, and we say to ourselves, "Uh uh-oh, maybe I didn't get to the spot that I thought I was supposed to be at. And so the question becomes for us then at this point is, how do we know when we've even arrived at the destination that God is taking us to? How do we know when we've gotten to that spot? And you know, a lot of people, they use like weird kind of factors to determine if they've gotten to where God wants them to be. They'll take things like how successful they are in life. You know how big their bank account is, how how uh, how well everything's going, how much they enjoy living their life, and they'll look at those as the primary factors as to whether or not they've arrived at where God wants them to be at. And can I tell you that those things are deceiving when it comes to figuring out whether we're at the place that God wants us to be at or not? But here's the deal: if we're willing to pray today's dangerous prayer and allow it to take us. Where it leads, we will arrive at the right destination. And so, to start off with this morning, before we get to the prayer, I want to look at three basic ways that we respond when God speaks to us, when God says something to us. And the first response is the response of Jonah. You guys know who Jonah is. Some of you know who Jonah is. Some of you maybe don't. It was the guy who was swallowed by the big fish. Um, Jonah, uh, God came to him and called him to go do something, and uh, Jonah's response was this. You don't have to worry about turning to the book of Jonah. The word that will be on the screen behind me. This isn't our main text. But uh, what it says in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship, Bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to free from the Lord. So God came to Jonah and said, Here, go here. Jonah's response was, Here I am, but I'm not going to go where you want me to go. And regardless of how close our walk with Jesus gets, there's always going to be points and places in our life where we're going to say that, where we're going to stop and where we're going to look at what God wants us to do and we're going to say, you know what? I'm just not feeling that. I'm just not thinking that's where I want to go. I'm just not thinking that's where I want to be. And so we'll say, God, here I am, but I'm not going to go. Then the second response is the response of Moses. What was Moses' response? Well, Moses told God, here I am, but send someone else. We're going to be reading from Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Once again, this isn't our main text. You don't have to turn there. But this is what it says in Exodus 3, 10, and 11. And this is God speaking. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And if we were to continue to read the whole rest of this chapter, chapter 3, it was just one long argument between God and Moses as to why that God says, Moses, you should go, and Moses was saying, God, I can't go. God, I won't go. God, he, Moses believed that the, the Israelites needed to come out of slavery in Egypt. He totally believed in what God was telling him to do. It's just that he didn't think he was the right person for the job. And so he said, God, um, uh, here I am. Send someone else. Okay, I'll be their support, I'll be their backbone, whatever, just send someone else. And this is one of the ones that happens in churches a lot. It's kind of interesting. You'll have the people who will come to me and say, hey, pastor, I've got this great ministry idea. And I'll say, okay, what's your ministry idea? And they'll share this or that or something or another, some some sort of idea that they had in regards to ministry, and I'll say, man, that's a great idea. When are you going to start this thing? Oh, no, 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 I'm not starting it. Listen, I'm the idea guy, but I just, God told me to give it to you for you to do. Doesn't work like that. Okay, so if you ever come to me with a great ministry idea, just know my response will be, when are you going to do it? And if you say to me, it's not for me, it's for you, I'm going to say, sorry, it's not for me. But we do this in other areas, too. It's like we don't just deal with ministry ideas. A lot of times you'll hear people say, like when we just did the offering, and when it comes to giving, and people will say, oh, that's not for me, though. That's for other people. That's for people who have more money than me. It's not my responsibility to give. God, you don't want me to give. You want somebody else who's got more than me to give. Or we'll do the same thing with our time. Oh, God, you don't want me to do that, you know, because I don't, just have, I don't have as much time as everyone else. I know there's some, some stay-at-home moms in the building, and they've got more time on their hands. They've got more life. They can take care of it. I'm just a busy person, and I don't have time for those sorts of things. That's the response number two. God, here I am. Send someone else. Well, the third response is the response that we're going to focus on this morning, and this is the response that will get us to the right destination. And for that, we are going to turn to our main text this morning. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 8. Uh, Isaiah, once again, one of the most well-known pass, uh, uh, guys in the Bible. Um, if you're not familiar where he's at, he's a prophet. He's about two-thirds of the way through the Old Testament. If, you'd like, if you know where it's at and you'd like to turn there, you can turn there. If you don't know where it's at, that's fine. It'll be on the screen behind me and uh, for you to follow along. But... Uh, This is uh, what happened when God called Isaiah into ministry in chapter 6 of Isaiah. And this is what it says there. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook as the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. So what's our dangerous prayer today? Here am I. Send me. And some of you are thinking to yourselves, well, man, that's not really that dangerous. I mean, what makes that such a dangerous prayer to pray? I pray that all the time. Well, let's look at this a little deeper and start by answering this question. Where was Isaiah agreeing to go? It doesn't say, does it? Isaiah was telling God, in effect, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. I don't need to know any of the advanced details. I don't need to know any of the advanced information. I don't need to know any of that stuff. God, wherever it is you want me to go, that's what I'm going to do. God, I don't need to know if it's a great place to live. God, I don't need to know if the paycheck is going to be worth my time. God, I don't need to know if it's going to be a climate worth living in. God, I don't need to know if it's going to be an expensive place to live. God, I don't need to know any of that stuff. I don't care. Whatever it is, here I am. God, send me. How many of us are ready and excited to pray that kind of prayer today? God send me, I don't care where it is, I don't care what it is, I don't care what I'm going to get paid for it, I don't care what you want me to do, I'll do it. I don't think that excites too many people because when you pray a prayer like that, you end up in crazy situations, right? And we don't like crazy in our life, do we? We like comfortable. We like where we are at. We like things that we are comfortable in doing. We don't want to pray, God, take me wherever you want me to go. Because it's scary. I mean, just even the thought of thinking me, thinking the thought of me praying that prayer, God, take me wherever you want to go. It makes me nervous myself, okay? Because, like, I've got family uh, here today from Minnesota, and my thought always is well, what if God said, hey, I need you to go back to Minnesota? I... <laughs> All right, she would enjoy that. I'd become Moses really quick if those words came. I'm like, God, can't somebody else go? I mean, May through October is all right, but dude, have you ever been there in November, December, January, February, March, or April? Okay, it's not nice. Oh yeah, Ashley used to live in Minnesota for a little bit too. You know exactly what that's like. And so, you know, you think to yourself, oh, God, here I am, send me. No, that's a crazy, crazy prayer to pray. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, what are we going to do to get ourselves to the point where we are ready to pray, God, here I am, send me, without any strings attached? Well, there's a few things in the text that we see here that prepared Isaiah to pray this prayer to get to that place And so the first thing that I see in the text there is that he had an encounter with God. The first four verses of this text describe the encounter that Isaiah had with God, and I have to admit, it's a pretty incredible encounter. I don't know if anyone in this room has ever had an encounter like that, but it talks about these angelic beings named Seraphim, and they were flying all over the place, and they're worshiping, and they're praising God, and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And this encounter with the presence of God like, really transformed Isaiah. And maybe the reason that we struggle with saying, here I am, God send me, is because we've not encountered the presence of God in our lives. How do I encounter the presence of God? Well, that's a complete another message. I wish we had time to go into it today, but we don't. And so what I'm going to do this week is if that's something that you're saying to yourself, man, I'm not sure, I'll post a short video on Facebook tomorrow in regards to that. And so go to our Facebook page, My Fam Church, and uh, the video, I'll put it up sometime tomorrow afternoon. Uh, but so the first thing is, we need to have an encounter with God. The second thing that prepared Isaiah to say yes to God was his genuine awareness of his sinfulness. He saw God and what did he say? He said, woe to me, I'm ruined. I'm done. I'm pathetic. I have nothing to offer. He's holy. I'm not. He's righteous. I'm not. He's he's full of glory. I'm full of sin. And you know we talked about this in week 1, too. That was in the prayer that David prayed as well. David prayed, you know, reveal my sin to me. And so a lot of times in, in being where and doing what God wants us to do, we have to be people who are desperately looking at our hearts and our minds to see our sin and to see the stuff that's in there that's causing us to have struggles in following God. And so I'll explain, I'll illustrate it, like this, I mean, what do I mean by that? Because a lot of times we, we think of sinfulness, and we're, we're thinking to ourselves, you know, you know, am I am I smoking crack? No, am I, you know, am I was I with a prostitute last night? No, you know, we get all these things going through our heads, and we think of all these things, and we think we're all right, and and, and so I'll just illustrate it like this. A couple of weeks ago, uh, if you were here on a Wednesday night, I kind of explained my uh, my uh, preparations that I was doing to run in a marathon, and I had told you guys how I was uh, getting up at. Uh, 4.15 in the morning, and I was running nine miles. And then um, on uh, Friday, my day off, I would run 16 miles. And so my schedule was, was, was pretty hectic. And, and here's what you got to know about me. I have a hard time sleeping, okay? I struggle with getting more than six hours of sleep a night. I'm tired all the time, but my body just won't sleep. And so like two days a week, I'm up at 3.15 in the morning, regardless of what time I went to bed. I, just, I can't get back to sleep. And so here's my my schedule, okay? So Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays, I'm up at 4.15. Wednesdays, 5.40. Thursdays, 4.15. Friday and Saturday, 5.40. And then two of those seven days, it's 3.15, regardless of what time my alarm clock is set for. And so I'm in that we're doing this prayer and fasting thing. We've been in this for the last three weeks, and so today is our is our day where we celebrate after service by breaking our fast, by going over to the FLC and eating some good food and having a good time. And, and so I hope you're ready to stay and eat after church. It doesn't even if you're a first time guest with us this morning, you're welcome to come and join us for food. We're gonna have plenty of food. It's gonna be a great time. But so um, and so um, I'm praying and I'm just telling God, I'm like God. I'm so exhausted exhausted. I just, I need some sleep. I need you to help me get some sleep. And so, uh, so God says, well, why are you tired? And so I'm like, I go through my, my weekly schedule, and uh, he's like, well, why are you getting up so early? And I said, well, because I'm preparing to run in a marathon. And God says to me, who told you to do that? Because I didn't. Bam, like that, okay? God was showing me an area that I was missing the mark, that I was missing him in, And it becomes a point of sin then, when I'm doing this thing that God doesn't want me to do, but yet I just don't, I'm just kind of doing it because I want to, and when you think about it, it's not sinful to go out there and prepare for a marathon. Okay, but there's points, there's places, there are times that God has things for us to do, and this was not the time for me to be doing this. And so I was thankful, and so now I've backed my alarm clock off, and I get up at 445 rather than 415, and I don't run as far. So anyways, that's not really helping with my, my sleeplessness, but, uh, but yeah, we have to be aware of our sins, and to, in order to be aware of our sins, we have to get in the presence of God. And so what was happening was the prayer and the fast had gotten me in the presence of God so that God Could speak to me and I could become aware of my sinfulness. Then the final piece that prepared Isaiah to be able to say, God send me, was he had a genuine understanding of God's grace. You see, when we have a genuine understanding just of how amazing His grace is, it will bring us to a point of full surrender. In verse 6, Isaiah says that one of the seraphim, one of the angelic beings, flew to him with a live coal in his hand. And he had taken from the altar that was in front of God. And after the angel touched his lips with the coal, Isaiah told... he told Isaiah that he had just gotten God's amazing grace. He says his guilt was taken care of and his sin was completely taken away. You see, with one touch from, God, from God's goodness, one touch from God's throne, one touch from God's hand, and our sin is wiped out, forgiven, destroyed, and abolished. Imagine that. Our lying lips in one touch, forgiven, wiped out. Our lustful hearts, in one touch, wiped out. All of the things that we have inside of us that God has said, I don't want you doing that. Completely forgiven as if they'd never happened. And see, when we understand God's grace, it transforms everything. and when that uh, coal touched Isaiah's lips and removed his guilt, Jesus' death on the cross does the same thing for us. Jesus' death completely removes our sin. When we sense God's presence, when we're aware of our own sinfulness, and we see God's amazing grace, and we are aware of that undeserved grace of God, the only reasonable response that we can have to God is, take everything. The only reasonable response we can have to God is, God, here I am, send me. I don't know where I'm going to be going. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I don't know where I'm going to be at, but listen. God, send me, because it's not about my life. It's not about my desires. It's about you. And that's why it's a very dangerous prayer to pray. And this prayer is not just a, ah, darn it. Man, because of Jesus, I have to pray this crazy prayer. This prayer should be a, yes, I get to pray to God and say, God, send me. And he's going to send me wherever. It should be an exciting thing. It should make us think, man, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to be a history maker. I'm going to make an impact for the kingdom of God. But the thing with this decision is that it isn't just a one-time decision. You can't sit back and say, well, you know, I, I prayed that prayer back in uh, 2006, and so that covers me for the rest of my life, right? No. This is one of those prayers that we pray each and every single day. We get up in the morning and we pray, God, here am I, send me. And I know it sounds a little weird, but this is the deal. We're living in a war zone. We have this conflict between the spirit and the flesh going on inside of us. And when I say the flesh, I'm not talking about this skin that we have on our body this this stuff that we have right here. When I say flesh, what I'm talking about when I say the word flesh is I'm talking about that thing inside of us, that selfish thing inside of us that says, Me, 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 what I want, what I desire, what I hope for, what I everything is about me or it's about we, it's about our own selfish desires. And those two things, the presence of Jesus and our own selfish desires, are at war inside of us. They're fighting inside of us. They're battling it out. Because our flesh every day is saying, man, you got to say, here I am, God, I won't go. Man, you got to say, here I am, God, send somebody else. And the Spirit is inside of us saying, no, say, here I am, God, send me. Here I am, God, send me. And they're battling it out on the inside. And the way we eliminate that voice of the flesh and learn to listen to God is by doing something called dying daily. And all that means is that we teach ourselves to say no to the things that our, our me, 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 our selfish desires want and say yes to God's. Because the more we say no to our selfish desires, the more our flesh begins to die because it's starving. But if we're feeding the give me, give me, give me, if we're feeding the me, 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 it's never going to die. Because what we're saying when we're feeding that is we're saying, you know what? My life is too important. My life is too valuable to waste on making a difference. Someone else can do that, but I am here for me. But if you deny your flesh and feed the spirit of Jesus in you, that's seeking God. And the more you seek God and feed that spiritual man inside of you, the more the flesh dies, the spirit becomes strong, and you grow, and you grow, and you grow, and it makes it easier to say those words and pray that prayer, God, here I am, send me. And I know there's a fear out there in some of you. You're sitting there, you're hearing this, and you're saying, yeah, if I say, here I am, God, send me, he's gonna send me to the rainforest, and I'm gonna spend the rest of my life using a hole in the ground as a toilet okay, that's a possibility. That could happen. But the reality is he's far more likely going to call you to be a missionary right where you're at, at your work, with the people that you have around you. Because the deal is that God is usually in those small things. See, God is in the daily relationships that we have with people who don't know Jesus. God is in the daily activities that we have going on each and every single day in our life. It's about stopping and listening to someone who's hurting and hearing their pain, hearing their problem, and just praying for them. So here I am, God send me is in a new person moved in next door to you. It's a single mom with four kids and she's barely making it. And so you say, you know what? I'm going to take them out to dinner. And as you do those little things, what's going to happen is you're going to wake up one day and see the string of little things that you have done has led to you being the person who has lived a life saying, here I am, God send me. And in your wake, in your trail, you're going to see a line of people that have been impacted by your witness and your life for the gospel. And that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing when we can sit back and we can say, man, look at, in just my living my day, each and every single day, mentioning Jesus, telling people, giving them the hope that I have within me, has made a huge impact. And when we do that, and when we can look back and we can see all of that stuff, I don't know about you, but that kind of makes me excited that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for, to have these lives that were changed and impacted. Yes, you can impact lives by going and living in a hut in the rainforest, and that's a noble calling. But our most important calling is saying, God, here I am, send me in the each and every single day stuff and the people that we encounter and the friends that we come in contact with and, and, and all of those people that surround us. And so that's our challenge this morning is to pray this prayer, God send me.